Welcome to another episode of our digitally remastered old-time radio shows from SolvedMystery.com. Visit our website for complete collections of your favorite old-time radio series. Remember to follow us so you won't miss new releases from SolvedMystery.com. Murder at Smokehouse Farm. Sounds like a blood-tub melodrama, doesn't it? But it isn't. It's the title of this week's Facebook history from Scotland Yard. Murder at Moathouse Farm headlined the London newspaper some 50 years ago, and pages and pages were devoted to telling the story. I may remind you that newspapers were newspapers in those days, and not two pages of bad news and advertisements of things you can't buy or can't afford. Moathouse Farm was an Elizabethan house in Essex completely surrounded by a moat, as it were, on an island. Lonely and desolate. An ideal background for a writer of crime stories, in fact. Locally, it was spoken of as creepy and too full of spooky nooks and corners. Even the house agents described the property as quaint, which was non-committal anyway. It was stood empty for years, but eventually a buyer did materialize. He was rather quaint himself and seems to have chosen the right setting. His name was Dougal, Mr. Samuel Dougal. Directly the deeds were signed, he put in hand extensive repairs and alterations to the farm. And while waiting for it to be made habitable, he engaged rooms nearby for himself and his wife at a Mrs. Whiskenden. Now, this is a true story about real people. But no blood-tub melodrama could open more realistically than on that stormy night in January when Mr. and Mrs. Dougal arrived at their lodge. Is Whiskenden. That's right. I am Samuel Dougal. Oh, good evening. And this is my wife. Oh, good evening. You've got my telegram. Oh, yes. Do come in. Oh, what a terrible night. Just leave the luggage there. I'll see it's taken up. Just a little dog. Yes. I do hope you won't mind. He's very good and most obedient. Don't forget. Oh, I love dogs. Do come straight in. You must be frozen. Have a nice fire and supper nearly ready. Now, that is kind of you. What a cozy little room. Isn't this nice, Camilla? Just what we need, eh? Are you feeling all right, sweetheart? Here, let me take your coat. You'd like some tea, I expect. I would, thank you, more than anything. Now, go and get the kettle on. Ah, that's better. Well, 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 so far, so good. We ought to be all right here until the farm's ready. I'm in no hurry, Samuel. When we passed the house just now, I found myself almost wishing you hadn't been so anxious to take it. Oh, I don't know, but it made me shudder. Oh, 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 nonsense, darling. When it's all cleaned up, you'll love it. Besides, Samuel, it cost me too much money. Oh, my dear, it's a very sound investment. But all of the market for these genuine old places. We shan't see many people either, shall we? It's so very isolating. Just the place for a runaway couple. We'll buy a trap and drive into town sometime. What do you say? Oh, yes, sir. Yes, please. I tell that looks good. If you're going to spoil us like this, Mrs. Whiskerman, well, I shall never get my wife to the farm. Oh. <laughs> You'll gather that Pam was quite a cheerful fellow, with some of an appeal to the ladies. Mrs. Whiskerman even found him fascinating. And what of his wife, Mrs. Dougal? Oh, I'm afraid he didn't think him so fascinating. In fact, she thought he was a... 
But I must hasten to point out that the lady Sam had brought with him wasn't his wife. He deserted her long ago. But a misguided Miss Holland, whom he had persuaded to run away with him. This, of course, was not known to the landlady, Mrs. Whiskenden. During their stay, she found them a most devoted couple. And she got on especially well with the lady. In fact, when the time came for them to move to the farm, the parting was quite touching. The cat's here, Mrs. Lugo. Oh, thank you, Mrs. Whiskenden. Uh, darling, you wait here till I get the luggage on. It's bitterly cold outside. Oh, dear, I do hate parting. Don't you? I'm going to miss you, dear. But we're not parting for long. Remember your promise? As soon as you can arrange things, you're coming to help us at Note House Farm. Well, if you really would like me to. Goodbye, Jackie. I don't believe he wants to go either. But he's got to look after me in that great dark house. Oh. Already, dear. Well, it's goodbye, Mrs. Whiskenden. I'll never forget your kindness. Do come to the farm as soon as you can. Goodbye. And all the luck in your new home. Now, come along, Jackie. Yes, sir. Right, you are sick. Come on, me, baby. Come on. the runaway couple took up residence at Moathouse Farm. Or shall we say the poor lady walked straight into the trap? I wonder if she didn't suspect Dougal, or perhaps she'd have risked it just the same. The power so many criminals have over women always astonishes me. Camilla Holland was completely obsessed by Sam Dougal and didn't see or refused to see that he was using her purely for his own end. Heaven knows they were plain enough. Camilla's disillusionment began when another woman came on the scene. Another woman in the person of Florrie Harris, a housemaid engaged by Sam. She'd been with them only a few days when Camilla noticed the girl was upset. What's the matter, sorry? Oh, perhaps I shouldn't tell you. I don't like telling you, really, I don't. But what is it? Have you done something wrong? Why, no, I promise you it was none of my fault. Well, come then. What is it? Oh. It's about Master. I wouldn't have said nothing, but I tried. Frightened? I was about. This morning when I was getting your tray ready, I suppose he must have crept up behind me. Before I knew what was going on, he, he had his arms around me. I tried to scream, but he put his big hand over my mouth. I struggled and got away, and then he left the kitchen. Oh, my. I'm trying to mind to happen again. I see. Oh, now I made you angry. I didn't ought to have told you. I'm not angry, and you were quite right to tell me, Florrie. But don't worry. I'm sure it won't happen again. Oh, yes, the master. You'd better go. Oh, and Florrie, be sure to carry on as if nothing had happened. Very good, Thank you. Hello, my dear. You are up early. Are you going out? I've been out already. Oh, have you? To the bank. And uh, what about? I heard from them this morning that I was overdrawn. I naturally thought there must be a mistake. Oh, uh, some check you wrote and forgot, I suppose. No, I hadn't forgotten. That check I gave you for 60 pounds has been altered to 600. Oh, but I, I remember that quite well. There were several other bills you wanted me to pay, and we decided to make it 600. Did we? Why, of course we did. You several dividends due this month, haven't you? I believe so. Oh, so it's all right then. Is it? You want sharing up. Let's drive over to the Crown and have lunch, shall we? Very well, if you want to. Fine, now come along. Give me a kiss. 
Now, if Dougal's object in taking Camilla to Moathouse Farm was to gain possession of her considerable fortune, he wasn't very clever in the way he went about it. No doubt he thought her an easy victim and became careless. The changing of the 60-pound check to 600 was only one of the many ways in which he proceeded to rob her. Although miserable and dejected, Camilla might have dragged on with him, but Sam seems to have had little knowledge of the way the mind of a woman works. He could have cheated, neglected, and even cruelly ill-treated her, and she might have stayed with him. But if he thought that any woman, even one so gullible as Camilla, would put up with his continued crude love-making with sorry, he was very much mistaken. Open the door. Who's that? Who's there? It's me. Oh. Quiet, you little fool. Oh, shut up. Shut up. Oh, come now, tell me what frightened you. Oh, he was there outside. He was the door. I found it. I was frightened. It give way. Oh, you won't leave me. I won't sleep here. No, no, I can't. There, there. It's all right, Flory. Very well. I'll stay with you. I'll bolt the door again. Come now, get back to bed and I'll squeeze in with you. But I can't stay in the house any longer, really. I can't. Oh, now, come, Flory. You wouldn't leave me. Oh, I'm sorry, I simply couldn't stay another night in this room. Well, you shan't. You shall share my room. Oh, but that wouldn't be right. Never mind that. I'd like to. I shall feel happier myself. Now that's settled. Now try and get some sleep. Good night. Good night, dear. But if a maid sat peacefully. We may be sure the mistress did not. What could she do? If she left Sam, where would she go? She cut herself adrift from all her friends and all her relations when Sam persuaded her to run away with it. Now she felt outraged. She must go carefully. Sam had control of most of her possessions. She must get advice from somewhere. The next day she'd go to town on some pretext. She wouldn't say anything about Soddy to Sam, no. No, she'd go on just as if nothing had happened. Now, if Camilla had kept to this plan, perhaps the end of this story might have been different. But alas, when the time came, Camilla couldn't resist making reproaches. She even went on to hint that she had plans, plans that might prove very awkward for Sam. Who is the statesman who remarked, I have never regretted anything I have not said? It's observed that counsel would save much trouble in the world. To Camilla, that counsel might have saved her life. Next morning, Sam's proof and seemingly very pleased with himself came to Camilla's room. Good morning, good morning. Lovely day. How is my sweetheart? I'm quite well, thank you, sir. Give me a kiss. No, please, Sam. Yes, I say, what's the matter? Nothing, Sam. Please leave me alone. Why should I leave you alone? What's this? Why have you got out of suitcase? Because I'm going to leave you. Oh, how could you? In my own home and with a servant. Oh, that's it. I thought I heard Flory screaming. What nonsense. I was setting a clock. It knocks against the wall and you wind it. Don't lie to me. You must think I'm a poor fool. But I've had enough. Don't be silly, Camilla. You're so suspicious. You'll soon see if I'm only suspicious. I'm going to... You're going to tell somebody about your bad husband, Arthur. 
Well, I don't trust you, Sam, and you know it. I see. When are you going? On the 245, I think. Well, I'll drive you to the station. Oh, don't trouble. I'll get a cab. No trouble. And after you've seen whoever it is and you've been told how silly and suspicious you are, you'll come back, I suppose. I've got to come back. I've got to come back tonight. Until something's settled, I've nowhere to go. Oh, come now, Camilla. You're just upset. If you want to go out to town and talk to somebody about your affairs, well, go ahead. But don't worry. I'll look after you. He'll look after her. Sam Dougal well knew that if Camilla sought advice and inquiries were started, it'd be the end of him. His criminal record was long and bad. Something had to be done. About two o'clock that afternoon, Camilla said goodbye to Florrie, gave instructions about feeding the dog and her husband, and told her she would be back in the evening. She then drove away with Dougal in a trap. Florrie never saw her mistress again. Don't you give me the creep. Oh, it is funny. 
Where is Mrs. Dougal, I wonder? Where is Mrs. Dougal, I wonder? That was a question many would have asked as the weeks went by. Some dismissed it as idle gossip, but there was enough reason for suspicion to take root. She's left him, that's all, and I don't blame her. Funny couple, anyway. He's not her sort. Ask her money, if you ask me. Mrs. Dougal, Mrs. Nothing. He's not married to her. She's a Miss Holland. My dear, what do you think? You know that Mr. Dougal everyone's talking about? I hear he's locked his wife up in Moose House. Yes, Mrs. Dougal. He says she's gone on holiday. If she's left town for good, why does the postman go on delivering letters for us? What's happened to her, then? He's done her in left what? Where is Mrs. Dougal? Mrs. Stevens says she's seen the new girl he's got up there wearing one of Mrs. Dougal's coats. I wouldn't be surprised what he's done. Where is Mrs. Dougal? <laughs> he ought to search the house. Where is Mrs. Dougal? He's murdered her, all right. Why don't the police do something? Where is Mrs. Dougal? What's he done with the body? That's what I want to know. Where is Mrs. Dougal? Where is Mrs. Dougal? Where is Mrs. Dougal? Chief Inspector Scott of the Essex Police paid a visit to Moat House Farm. I expect you know, Mr. Dougal, there's a lot of talk going on in the village about your wife. Why, I know there's a lot of stupid gossip started by that housemaid we had here. Oh, well, we can soon settle that. Just tell me where she is and where she... Well, that's just it. I can't tell you. I saw her off to London and expected her back the same night. She wrote saying she was taking a holiday and uh, that's the last I heard of her. I see. Now, they say you had a quarrel with her. Oh, there's that girl, Sally Harris again. We had a tip. She got jealous. Nothing to it. You know what women are. Your present servant has been seen wearing a gold watch and chain. Did they belong to your wife? No, they did not. I see. Well, Mr. Doodle, you know how it is? People talk. They even say you got your wife shut up in this house. Suppose you just show me round and I'll be able to stop all the chatter. Of course I'll show you round. It's pleasure. Then they'll have to find something else to talk about. Chief Inspector Scott found nothing to arouse his, uh, suspicions, but Dougal, it seems, was not completely satisfied with his easy acceptance of his story and decided, rather late in the day, to make his getaway. To this end, he withdrew all the money he kept at two local banks, and one morning the villagers, as Dougal himself had suggested, had something else to gossip about. Now, Mr. Dougal had vanished. Meanwhile, Chief Inspector Scott had been making considerable progress. He had ascertained that certain papers regarding Moat House Farm had ostensibly been signed by Mrs. Dougal a few days before. He also succeeded in tracing a nephew of Mrs. Dougal, who had once visited the farm. This man was able to prove that the alleged signature of his aunt was a forgery. With this evidence, the police were able to act. First get their man in custody on a charge of forgery. The other charge, charge of murder, might come later. A warrant was issued for Dougal's arrest. Now, when Dougal withdrew his money from the two banks, he was paid in notes. Five and ten pound notes. For some reason that's beyond me, Dougal chose the Bank of England to change a ten pound note into gold. Yes, gold has actually existed in those days. And in the Bank of England, a detective inspector is always present. 
Excuse me, sir. These notes form part of the forgery. You'll have to come with me to Scotland Yard. With our man now safely under lock and key, the police were faced with a formidable task of finding Mrs. Dougal, alive or dead. The director of prosecutions now took a hand, and Scotland Yard, in the person of Chief Inspector Bauer, was sent to Moathouse Farm in charge of investigations with Chief Inspector Scott at the Essex Street. Now a methodical search of the house began. Every room, cellar, passage, cupboard, and attic was examined. Walls and ceilings tapped. Floorboards raised and every possible space accounted for. But not a shred of evidence emerged. Next, they turned to the ground. They began by dragging the moat. No result. Then they drained the moat. No result. Just a lot of mud. Inspector Scott stood on the bank rather dispirited. He took a stone and threw it into the moat. The mud was so thick the stone rested on the surface. What's your idea, Scott? Think the body has sunk under the mud? Might be. Well, the bricks you've just chucked in, didn't you think? The body's heavier, and it might have been weighted. Well, mud's only in the centre. How'd the body get out so far? Dougal may have weighted out with it. Well, well, you certainly asked for punishment, sir. On we go, boys. Digging down into the mud in the moat was preceded with during wet and misty weather. A gruesome and most unpleasant task. But no result. Scott had a fine team of men, and when he called them off after five days of dreary disappointment, he began to feel that they might be completely on the wrong track. One night after dinner, Scott and Bauer lit their pipes and took a stroll round the grounds. You know, this garden here might be very pretty if it was looked after. Good soil, nice shrubs. Yeah, funny the way the soil does. Look at that strip down there where that little dog's lying. Those bushes sort of stunted. Eh? Oh, no, they're not stunted, they're young. Wait a minute, look at the turf, that's new too. I bet that wasn't sown many months ago. Well, no. It's quite a long strip. Five to ten yards. Leads to the moat. Here, I'm going to go down. You know what I think it is? It's a ditch that's been filled in. Filled in? Filled in. Think we ought to dig it out? I think we ought to. Well, then we'll get the boys start in the morning. But the boys didn't want to start in the morning. They wanted to start that night. The earth was not fully settled in the newly filled in ditch and they made good progress. Rather a grisly spectacle. A team of five or six men, a journalist standing there agog, waiting for news that the crime had been solved. The men dug down a foot. Two feet. Three feet. Four feet. A feeling of failure spread through the company. The journalist walked off to get a drink. The digging became slower. At four and a half feet. Go and get some rest, boys. I don't want you dead, too. Yes, there's no use breaking your back. There's nothing here. We'll pack up in the morning. All right, guys. Pick this. Come on, Bill. What's the matter with him? What are you digging for, old fellow? Whose dog is this? He belongs to Mrs. Dougal. Mrs. Dougal? Did he? Get back in, boys. Let's try another ten minutes. And someone take that dog away. Who are we trying to find? Australia? Emboot, Colin. Can't see what I'm digging out. No, yes. Make me shit. Don't want to see anything. Whoa. Watch this. Feels like a boot. 
Give it to me and everybody stop working. Yes. It's a boot, all right. A woman's boot. We'll wait till the moon comes out again, and then we'll dig very carefully around the body. Next morning, everybody had the answer to the much-repeated question, where is Mrs. Dougal? Murdered and buried in a ditch. The Scotland Yard expert, Dr. Trevor, was called and testified that the cause of death was a bullet shot in close quarters. Dougal was proved to have had in his possession a revolver of similar caliber. Strangely enough, the only person who seemed in doubt of the outcome of the trial was the prisoner himself, and when the jury brought in a verdict of guilty, he appeared almost surprised, and tears trickled down his face. When the day of execution arrived, Dougal, still maintaining his innocence, walked to the scaffold. The noose was adjusted and the executioner put his hand on the lever. At this moment, the chaplain in attendance asked in a whisper, Guilty or not guilty? And through the white hood which covered Dougal's face came the answer, Guilty. Just as the noose tightened and the body was consigned to the pits below. for joining us and enjoying our digitally remastered old-time radio shows from SolvedMystery.com. Please remember to leave us a review and to follow us for frequent releases.